Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Last week, the Wall Street Journal editorial board made some strong accusations about Richard Glick, the chairman of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. The journal claimed that Glick had improper talks with White House officials and that the Biden administration may have influenced the commission's now rescinded gas pipeline policy statement. Glick, a Democrat, has denied those accusations, calling them, quote, complete bull, and that he would, quote, never ever violate FERC rules. Still, the accusations have raised a lot of questions about Glick in the commission, which currently has a three to two Democratic majority. FERC is supposed to operate without political interference, and it has strict rules about what it's allowed to discuss with parties outside the commission. So today, I chat with Politico's FERC expert, Catherine Morehouse, about what to make of these accusations against Glick, how he and the White House are responding in the policy in the middle of it all. It's Tuesday, June 21st. So basically what happened is the Wall Street Journal editorial section obtained Glick's calendar from the conservative group Institute for Energy Research, which basically found that he was having biweekly meetings with a White House national climate advisor, Ali Zaidi. And basically the op-ed questioned whether these meetings had any influence on the pipeline policy statement that was ultimately issued several months ago now and later rolled back. And this would be a really big accusation because FERC is an independent agency. FERC commissioners are appointed by the president, but they are free of political interference. They're really not supposed to be influenced by the White House at all. So that's kind of the rundown of the accusations that the editorial printed. Interesting. And so how is Glick defending those meetings with administration officials? Yeah, I mean, he said there is nothing improper about those meetings. And basically the way he describes the meetings is that they're very technical, that FERC meets with members of the administration to basically keep them up to date on the grid and issues like winter storm, URI, and kind of these many grid issues that we've seen over the past few years. FERC needs to keep the administration informed on those issues. And so those meetings would sometimes be with Zaidi himself, sometimes just with staff. And it was really just a way to kind of keep a line of communication between this very technical agency that knows a lot about the grid and between a White House that has a lot of issues to solve when it comes to the grid and climate change and transitioning to clean energy. Do we know, though, in the past, is that traditionally something that happens where administrations meet with FERC chairs, or is it just the elevated profile of FERC right now, given its role in Biden's climate agenda? Yeah, I think it depends on who you ask. I think that it's hard to tell what are kind of good faith accusations and what are kind of bad faith accusations when it comes to these meetings. So I actually obtained a copy of the calendar as well from this institute group, and he meets with Granholm regularly. He meets with several other members of the administration regularly. And I think there are plenty of FERC chairs and FERC commissioners who say this isn't such a big deal and others who are maybe questioning a little bit more. So it kind of depends on who you ask. 
That makes sense. So what's the status of the controversial pipeline policy statements in question? Remind us why these are so important. The interesting thing is these policy statements are kind of in flux right now. They got a lot of attention when they were first proposed. And what these policy statements would have done is basically set a threshold, an emissions threshold for certain projects. And if a project kind of triggered that threshold and emitted a certain level of greenhouse gas emissions, then it would be subject to further environmental review. It also basically called on FERC to take more seriously uh, questions around environmental justice and landowner concerns and just kind of tried to paint a more holistic picture when it comes to, you know, how FERC assesses pipelines. But FERC rolled back that policy less than a month after it was issued and basically said, we're going to take more comments on this. Feedback has been really strong. So we're going to take a harder look at this issue, see if we can come to a better consensus, maybe with more commissioners on board. And the other thing that they pledged to do was to make sure that the policy will only apply to pipelines moving forward. So before it was going to retroactively apply to pipeline projects that had already filed their applications, and that was a really big deal. So nothing has actually changed on the the pipeline policy front in the past few weeks, but I think there's still just a lot of anger in Washington over it. Gotcha. And just returning back to where we started then, so how has the White House responded to these allegations that its meetings with FERC Chairman Glick have been inappropriate? The White House itself has not said anything to me or as far as I know to any other reporters. And the only public statement that I've seen from anyone in the administration has been from DOE Secretary Jennifer Granholm, who basically didn't say anything about the policy itself, but kind of applauded the chairman for taking a step back on the policy. So there was kind of a tentative endorsement of the decision to pull back, but there has been no sort of endorsement or public support of this policy. And Chairman Glick said during the meeting on Thursday that there has been no feedback from officials on this policy privately. Also, last Friday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit struck down part of a proposed New England rule that would compensate coal, nuclear, biomass, and hydroelectric power plants to maintain winter fuel security. The court ruled that New England's grid operator can compensate generators for stockpiling fuel in advance of the winter season, but cannot compensate for those resources that already keep more than three days of supply on site, and as a result, do not need to be incentivized to do so. The rule would have mostly compensated coal and nuclear plants, which make up a larger share of the region's electricity mix compared to hydropower or biofuels. Moving forward, the rule is set to go into effect for the 2023-2024 winter. A spokesperson for the grid operator said it's still reviewing the decision. FERC did not immediately respond to a request for comment. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Did you know that Chevron is exploring ways to expand their hydrogen fuel production to help make heavy-duty transport lower carbon? Find out more 
at chevron.co slash hydrogen fuel.